Good morning. Ooh. All right. How many of you have ever heard of the the uh, WWJD? Yeah, it was hot during the uh, mid '90s, right? It made a made a uh, and it was hot for like probably almost probably I'd say a decade maybe. It was pretty hot for a while, and it's making its comeback now. But the interesting thing about the what would Jesus do bracelets was that they were based off of a book that was written almost a hundred years prior. And a hundred years later, somebody took it and, and made it a slogan that in the Christian world we ran with, right? How many people had a bracelet that said WWJD on it? You could get them in any color you wanted, right? Yeah, so okay, he's, he's rocking one right now still, right? I mean, it's, it's still a thing. Like, what? how many people, when you had it on, it wasn't for fashion. It was literally to remind yourself, what would Jesus do? Because how many people know we need to be reminded of that, right? <laughs> like, we come into contact with something and we're like, what would Jesus do, right? But today, though, what if we asked ourselves the question, what would Jesus undo? If Jesus were to come in here right now and sit down next to you and ask you a question of what can I undo for you? Because I think the longer you're in a church, the more and more things that we can get inside of us that we deem as being spiritually correct that I think Jesus is like, I want to undo some things in you, right? We've been talking a lot about things happening, right? We've been talking about a lot of like, own the vision. We've been talking about a lot of great things this year, but then we've got to get to a place where we can actually make a change, right? There are some things that we can have in our spiritually that will make us something that Jesus would be like, I would like to change that in you right? How many people have arrived already and Jesus has done all the changing that you need? Okay, I just want to make sure I'm in a room with like-minded people here. How many people know we all have things that Jesus still needs to change, right? I've probably got more than most of you, to be honest with you, right? We've all got things that we need to change. So if Jesus could change something, what would Jesus undo? Go ahead and just start thinking about it. What would Jesus undo in you? Well, I didn't mean I didn't I didn't I didn't mean for those things to be thrown out out loud. But what would Jesus undo? There are some things that I, I've been taught in church that Jesus has clearly spoken and said, like, yeah, don't don't do that no more. Right? Don't say the Christianese things that you grew up hearing. Y'all, y'all, anybody ever speak Christianese? Right? You say things and then you're like, do people really know what that even means? You know, do people understand what that means? If I was a non-believer, would I understand what that means? Right? But we do it, don't we? Everybody come out later for church because we're going to have fellowship. What does that mean? So say that, right? Like come out later for church so we can have food and we can talk. 
We're in a fellowship. But we do it in our prayer. I, I do it, right? I've prayed. People are like, when you go to people's houses, how many people know they have you pray, right? Sometimes I try to get out of it. I'm like, I've prayed a lot today. <laughs> right? There have actually been moments when we, when we first started this, we actually had moments where I look at Jared and be like, dude, can you, can you become like a licensed pastor so people will ask you to pray when we're around so I'm not the only one that can pray, right? Well, how many people know that in your prayer, if you're at dinner with, with people who aren't your family members, you say, dear Lord, just bless this fellowship that we have tonight. Bless our conversations. May it be pleasing to you, Lord. Just bless the food and may we have a good time in your name, right? But we do that. We say these things and it's like, why do we say these things? I feel like Jesus is like, I want to undo some things. So in Revelation 3, 15 and 20 through 20, I've, I've preached out of this before. This is part of the seven letters that, that Jesus sent to his church. And I'm going to emphasize he sent to the church. And in Verse 15, it starts out in chapter three of Revelation. I know all the things you do, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other. But since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Can I pause there? How many people have ever went to go take a drink of something hot? And when it got into your mouth, it made you want to spit it out. Anybody? My father-in-law, he doesn't watch online, so I can say this. My father-in-law does a weird thing. You can back me up, right? So I'm not just being mean. It's true. Um, he will make coffee the night before he goes to work. He goes to work at like 5 a.m., 3 a.m., somewhere in the, I don't know, it's early. And he'll make coffee the night before, and then he will drink that coffee that he made the night before through his whole shift not reheating it. Does anybody else do that? Can I ask why? Okay. How many people, when you have coffee, it's got to be hot? Oh, I, oh for, I forgot. I forgot. They make a bougie thing now. I can't knock it because I've had it, but they make a bougie thing now. It's iced coffee, right? Now it's even, I don't even have an iced coffee with ice cubes. I get that thing blended up and it's a slushy of coffee, right? That's what I call it. I just, can I have the coffee slushy? Give me that thing. Uh, I'm the worst order at Starbucks. Because I'm like, I don't know what size, but I would call it large. I think that's grande, right? No. Yeah, you go there too much. Um, <laughs> But the thing is, though, is, is, is we, we would normally be like, I, how many people like their hot chocolate, hot chocolate? Because if not, it's what? It's just chocolate milk, right? It's still good, right? I mean, it's, yeah, it was a bad example. It is still good. Then it goes on in the scripture, it says, you say, I am rich and I have everything I want. I don't need a thing. And you don't realize that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. So I advise you to buy gold from me, 
gold that has been purified by fire, then you will be rich. Also buy white garments for me so you will not be shamed by your nakedness and ointment for your eyes so you will be able to see. I correct and discipline everyone I love. We've said that as parents if you have kids, right? So be diligent and turn from your indifference. And then what I love though is at the end in verse 20, he says, look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we shall share a meal together as friends. We use that scripture when we refer to people who don't know Jesus. He wrote the letter to the church. He didn't write it to people who don't know him. He wrote this letter to people who know him. And he's like, I'm standing at the door knocking. I just want to come in and eat with you. Church, that letter is to us today. We sing songs like, I just want to know what moves you. For you to open your door. For you to be, so so I can be accessible to you. Make yourself available to me, right? We like to take that scripture and go, that's not, for that. everything was there for us except for that one. That was for the unsaved. You know, it's for us. We can know Jesus for years, but not really know him. I love your example that you just shared. And you had no idea really what I was preaching today, which is beautiful. I love how it all works together, right? Love it when a plan comes together. I think they say that in the A-team. Um, but the thing is though, is, is What a great example, because we can have many friends on Facebook. How many people have many friends on Facebook? Do people not do Facebook anymore? How many people are off of Facebook now? You still have an account, you're just not on it. Yeah, okay, some of us. No, how many people don't want to admit that you're on Facebook? I get it. But you can have a lot of friends on Facebook and not know all of them well, right? Go through your list. It would be fun. I've done it. I've, I've recently gone through my list and I'm like, I don't know where I know you from, but it says we're friends, right? Why are we friends? Anybody ever had that conversation? Like, why, are, why do, and then you get invites from people, right? Friend requests, not invites, friend requests. Anybody ever got a friend request and been like, I know I have five mutual friends with you, but I don't know you. Why, why would you invite me to be your friend? Anybody? Some of you who haven't responded to my friend request, that's probably what's happened, I'm sure right? But the thing is, though, is, is he's here and he's saying, he's like, I, I, I want to be there with you, but you have to open up your eyes. What I love, though, is in this letter, though, he's writing this letter, though, to an area that they understand directly what it means to have lukewarm water. He meets them where they're at. He, he, he wants to let, let them know, like, hey, you, you can understand what the analogy I'm about to give you, right? You can understand what I'm about to say because you don't have your own water source. You get your water from two different cities, one that brings in hot water, one that brings in cold water, and by the time it gets to you, none of the water is cold or hot, and it's gross, right? How many people love that point in your shower? Where you've realized you've gone over the max limit of your water heater. And it starts to change over to cold water, but it's not fully cold, but it's not fully hot. 
Isn't that the worst feeling ever? You just get to a point where you're like, oh, this feels weird, right? What's that? Yeah, because then you feel like, I should probably wash again because now it feels weird, right? You know that if it's super hot, you're burning off all the germs. If it's super cold, you're just trying to wake yourself up. I don't have anybody who takes cold showers. Anybody takes cold showers? What? Hot then cold? Really? Let me make a note of that real quick. <laughs> Good for your immune system. I'm going to try that. I might scream a lot in the morning, but we'll get there. <laughs> has anybody ever has anybody ever given somebody a gift and when you gave it to them you thought they are going to love this and then they open it and you apologize because of the lack of reaction anybody I'm horrible when people give me gifts I don't really have a reaction usually so when people are like go ahead and open it up in front of me I'm like oh really don't want to because I don't want to offend you. I, I'm going to probably love what you got me, but it just doesn't happen here. And I don't know why. Um, unless it's something really good. And then I don't even smile. I just cry. Uh, this is how it works. But, but, but isn't that the worst feeling though, when you give something, some, someone something that you thought was going to be amazing and they're like, oh, thanks. Our first year married, which this year we get to celebrate 10 years together. Well, 17 total, but 10 years where you actually wanted to stay committed to me. <laughs> I'm kidding. We had seven years of great dating experience, and then we decided we're going to stay together forever. Uh, first year we got married, though, I was, I was the king of making sure that birthdays and special occasions were, were celebrated well. Okay. <laughs> Just go with me. Um, I made sure that even the little holidays got celebrated, right? And, and so our first year getting married, I don't know what happened. But March 30th rolled around, and I forgot that it was my wife's birthday. And it was the first time in a whole time we've been together that I forgot that. And so she texted me, and she said, I hear banging. I don't know what that is. I hope it's, yeah, it's fine. They're fine. They're fine. Um, and, and she texted me, and she's like, hey, what are we doing for my birthday tonight? And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> right? And I hurried up, and I ran to the store. Has any, any husband ever forgot your wife's birthday? Just me. Oh, great. <laughs> Not even a toke. Jake, don't do it when you get married. I just, just learned from my mistake. Uh, and, and so on the way home, I was like, Lindsay loves golf. I'm going to go buy her a pink golf bag. I thought that would be good. And then I was like, and we're on a bowling team in our church, so I'm going to get her a custom bowling ball that's pink. And then I'm going to get her a bunch of gift cards to all of her favorite places so she can go buy what she really wants. Right? And I get home and I'm like, hey. And she knew. You forgot. 
And then she's like, hey, and I'm like, happy birthday, I got you. And I pull everything out of the hallway and I bring it into the room and I'm like, look it. And she's like, thanks. She's used those golf clubs in 10 years one time. A bowling ball for that one season. But all the gift cards you did use, yeah. So that was good. But isn't it the worst when you think that you're going to give something good and it just doesn't get received well? How about this? Has anybody ever received something? And you can go ahead and raise your hand for this. Uh, can, can, has anybody ever received something that you absolutely didn't want? Come on. And you knew as soon as you got somewhere that was out of sight, you were throwing it away. No? No, we still have the golf clubs and bowling balls, so you haven't done that. Or you're like, I'm going to re-gift this at next year's white elephant gift-giving party, right? And hope that I don't get stuck with it, right? Like, it's the worst feeling. But can I be honest with you today? It's the same thing we do sometimes with the gift that God gave us. Even as experienced, seasoned people who who know the Lord, even somebody who just knew the Lord, sometimes we don't want to take the gift that he gave us in Jesus. Is that too serious today? It's true though, isn't it? We decide when we want Jesus. Imagine Jesus. Just imagine this for a second. He steps out of heaven, gives up everything, sacrifices his life, knowing I'm going to walk that earth for 33 years and then it's going to come to an end on a cross for everyone down there that doesn't know me yet. Hmm. We've been forgiven of every sin. We've been given access to the throne of God through him. And yet there are days where we will decide, I want the gift and I don't want the gift. There are situations in our life where we decide, I want the gift or I don't want the gift. Right? There are sermons that get preached that get you pumped up, that get you excited, and then a thing called life happens. And we forget to take the gift with us in those situations. We go through days, hours, sometimes with Jesus never even crossing our minds. I'm guilty of it. My job is the Bible, right? Know it forwards, I should know it forwards and backwards. I should know every scripture. I should know how to pronounce every word. I should know all of the things. I should know every translation. I should know the Hebrew meaning, the Greek meaning, and all the other meanings that that are out there. And can I tell you that there are weeks that I will go and sometimes the only time I crack open my Bible is when I'm putting together my message. So if I'm doing it, don't sit there and act like you're not doing it, right? There are times when I go through situations and I would rather fix them myself than take them to the king. 
right? There are times when I'd rather say, what can I do to make this better than take it to Jesus and say, Jesus, what can you do to help me, right? We've been given the gift, we've been given the access and we choose not to take it all the time, right? Do you know what our generation right now is going through? I, my my four-year-old did this the other day. Oh, and it just, it just gets under my skin. Hopefully your children do it too. If not, then it's just a day of me's today. But I said something to my four-year-old Otto. He's the only four-year-old I have. I don't know why I said his name. <laughs> just in case you're wondering. Not my other four-year-old, that four-year-old. Uh, and and he, I said something to him and he goes, oh, four. Four. And I was like, Otto, what? And I'm like, I'm only going to have a seven-year-old in a second. And I was like, can you do that? And he goes, no. And I'm like, okay. But don't we do that, though? Can you do this? <sighs> right? Or, or how, how you feeling today? Meh. Right? There's a movie. It's the emoji movie. It's not spiritual. It's no spiritual value. And the main character is a, is a meh but he has the ability to make all of the faces. So he's not good at being meh. But we're all really good at being meh, aren't we? Hi, 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 how, how's, how's work today? Mm, meh, right? How was school today? Meh, right? If you have a teenager, you know exactly what I just meant right then. How is, how is, how'd that situation work out? Did it work out well? Meh. How's your spiritual life? Meh. What do you think about God? Meh. What do you think about all the blessings you've been given? Meh. Could be better, right? We add something there, right? We're like the meh generation. And I say we're, we're all doing it, right? Like meh. God will say, you know, hey, can you do this for me? Oh. Right? Yeah. Do, do I really? Could you pick someone else? Did, did you accidentally mean them and you pointed at me by accident? Like, did I just, right? You ever done that where somebody points at somebody or waves at somebody and you think it's you? And you're like, and then you realize it's not you, it's them. And so we do that with God. Don't we? Like, did you mean? Yeah. No. Me. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. Not me. Yeah. No, them. Right? We do. That me, I'm good. I don't want to do that. <laughs> you know what that's called? It's called spiritual indifference. It's being indifferent. And that saddens the heart of God. Here you've got a church and Laodicea that is a church. 
35 years prior to the letter being written, they were destroyed by an earthquake and they were rebuilt stronger than ever, fancier than ever. They had all the things. And it's the only letter that Jesus had written that didn't give them any kind of praise. (laughs) He just told them, I'd like to spit you out of my mouth. That literally means vomit if we want to get graphic. Let's get graphic. I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. Nobody likes vomiting, right? Nobody likes throwing up. Somebody actually just told me a story. I won't name names, but third row on this side. Um, About when they were on vacation, there was a lady throwing up into a clear Ziploc bag. I appreciate thinking ahead with a bag. Why a clear one though? (laughs) It has nothing to do with what I'm preaching. I'm just thinking about it right now. Why a clear one? I don't want to see. I have to hear. But that's what God was saying about the church. You're naked. You're not hot or cold. I'd rather you be one or the other. Instead, I just want to throw you up. I just want to get you out. We've all been there. Something inside of us has hurt us so bad. (laughs) Food usually. (laughs) That you feel something deep inside of you and all you go is, I just want you to come out. Right? Anybody? You may not like throwing up and you're like, I'm willing to right now for hours to get whatever's going on inside of me out of me. Right? It turned God's stomach with how the church was being. It turned it, made him sick. Hmm. Really what Jesus is saying there is you're spiritually stale. You're desperately detached from me. I'm standing at your door and you don't even know I'm knocking. And I think there's a couple of things that stick out for me there because we go through this. I think there's a couple causes of indifference and, and it's really being sufficient on our own, right? Self-sufficient gets us to a place where we're spiritually indifferent. How many people would say, I am self-sufficient in what you do, right? I know nobody wants to raise their hand now because they're like, wait, that, you just said that's negative. Are you self-motivated? How many self-motivated people do I have? Okay. <laughs> I'm just going to leave it alone. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. But we, we are like that spiritually, though. But we're like, meh, right? We have that same reaction. We, 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 we're, we're self-sufficient, you know, because we're like, when you ask people, when you know people are going through something bad and you ask them, how are you doing? And they say, I'm okay. No, no you're not, right? Oh, I got my coffee, I'm fine. How many people have ever heard anybody say that? I got my coffee, I'm fine. 
That's okay, I can order it on Amazon, I'm fine. Yeah? I've said that multiple times. Don't worry, it'll be here in two days. We'll get it before church, it's fine. Right? <laughs> How about this one? This one might be old. I don't know if you still have these or not. I, I do. I've got my Snuggie, I'm fine. Anybody have a Snuggie? Oh yeah, I have a Snuggie. Ohio State and all, it's sweet. If you flip it around, it's like a robe. You wear it backwards, it's fine. Right? We will get to a place where we will begin to be self-sufficient when we go through things. In verse 17, in particular, it says, you say I'm rich and I have everything I want. I don't need a thing. And you don't realize that you're wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. None of those things are good. But we will invest ourselves in everything here on earth and be spiritually bankrupt. We will make sure that our calendar is so full so we are productive and spiritually we're empty because we didn't schedule any time for God. Self-sufficient though, your calendar, my calendar looks amazing right now. I got dots on every, I got, I got seven dots on some days. I don't have enough time to eat lunch on some days. I mean, I still do, but I don't have time, right? And we will look at that and go, I'm being successful. I'm taking care of business. Things are getting done. And the whole time, God's just sitting there going, Nikolai right now loves knock-knock jokes. There's some good ones out there. But Jesus is not a knock-knock joke. Because one day, you're not going to hear that knock anymore and it's going to be too late. But we're self-sufficient though. Anybody ever notice that you're drawn into the things of the world, but you're never satisfied? You're drawn into a new job and then you get there and you're like, I hate this place. Drawn into a new church and then you realize it feels the same here. What happened? You buy a new car <laughs> and you immediately go, I should have kept my old one, right? <laughs> you buy a house and then you realize this is too much house or it's not enough house, <laughs> right? We get so caught up in the world, but yet we're never satisfied. And then comes Mark Chapter 419, I want to I I read this real quick because this, this speaks directly to this second part here. But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Mark 419. And it's because the world is a distraction for us. Is it not? The world is a distraction for us. 
So you have self-sufficiency, right? And then you have distractions of the world. I can do it on my own, and now there's stuff happening. I alluded a little earlier, you, you come to church and you, you can hear something great. You can, you can read a quote on Instagram and get motivated, right? You can hear a good word, a 30-second clip or a three-minute clip from something, and you're like, yes, I'm going to do it, right? And then real life steps in and smacks you and says, well, well hold on a second because a bill just came in that you forgot about, right? Usually from the doctor. Um, I've, got, I've got a place here I have to run and then I have to run here and then I have to run here and I, I got to meet this person here and meet this person here, meet all these people here. I, I, have, I have dishes I have to do. I have laundry I have to do. I have to get kids here. I have to get kids there. I have to, I have to do all these things. Oh, and don't forget, I have to get an oil change on my car because if I don't get an oil change on my car, my car is going to seize up and then I got to get a new car and I'm probably not going to like the new car more than I like my old car and it's, just, it's not going to work out really well right? And then you get to a place where you're like, you know what though? On top of all of this, I think that I should get a part and be a part of Save the Whales. And I'm going to be on the organization that's anti-plastic straws. Right? And, and you know what? Then there's this other thing that I saw that I think I, I, I want to be a part of too on top of what you just said was your busy schedule. And the world just keeps us. And then, and then the news comes on. And it makes you not want to leave your house. Anybody ever feel that? Yeah. yeah. And the news comes on and the news comes on again and the news comes on again. And, and when that news is over, guess what? There's another one for another hour right after that one. And I'm just going to sit here and listen to all this stuff that the world is gonna pour into me. Meanwhile, Jesus is just over there going. Somebody unknown said, feeling numb isn't the absence of feeling, but the sensation of feeling too much at once. Anybody ever feel numb spiritually? Just feel like, man, I just feel off today, right? Just don't feel like I just worship. I just, I couldn't, I couldn't get in. And Pastor Nick's message, he lost me as soon as he said good morning. And I just, I just feel numb today. And it's because you have so much pouring in that you, you can't feel anything because there's too much pouring in. There's too much stuff getting in that doesn't allow for this. Do y'all you all remember flip phones? I got a picture of, of two of them that I actually personally own. Look at these bad boys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You remember these? These. I had this one for a long, I had that one for a long time. I even had the game that's on there and I used to take my bathroom breaks to the transmission shop that I worked at for like 20 minutes so I could beat levels, right? Do you remember how you text on these phones? Every number had three letters and to type the word, y'all remember, right? 
Yeah, and then, yeah. You gotta find the underscore line to make the capital happen. And it's like, what? But you had to go like, one, two, three, 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 one, two, three. Okay, that's one word. One, two, three, right? right? You, there was no texting and driving then with those phones. Yeah, it was, hold on, I gotta pull over because I gotta send a text just to say thank you, but it's gonna take me 30 minutes to do this. Right? Those phones, man. But when you had one, especially the razors, when the razor came out, and then they started making them in colors. Keeping this phone forever, right? (laughs) 17 iPhones later, we've got iPhones now. But the thing is though, is, is these phones in the moment were amazing. But as soon as we got our smartphones, how many people didn't know how to use them coming off of these bad boys? You went from having to punch one number for the third letter in line to now I got a whole keyboard. That's tiny, but I got a whole keyboard, right? How many people, when you got your first smartphone, used it like an old brick phone? Come on, I did. Let's just be honest. How many people, it took you a hot second to figure out your smartphone? Does anybody still have a brick phone in here? Okay, I just needed to ask. But how many people still used your smartphone like it was an old phone? You didn't get on the internet because you didn't know how, right? Didn't know how to add your contacts in because they didn't cross over from that one to that one, so you had to do it manually because Verizon would charge you to do it, right? And so you were like, you know what? I'm just gonna kick it old school with this new phone. But it's the same thing we do with Jesus because you've been given all this ability and power and you've been given the keys to to the kingdom really. And instead we're sitting there saying, I only wanna use you when I know how to use you and it's convenient for me, right? We have access to the whole thing, but we still use it like what we're used to. We live in this state of a little bit of Jesus. Just enough to make me feel better. But not enough that moves me to grieve over the Father's heart. Not enough to grieve over the sins that I still have in my life. Not enough for me to fully lay my life down and allow God to come in and completely change me to who he wants me to be. Just enough so I feel good, but not enough to make a change. How do we know that? What are the symptoms of that? Well, Timothy says that people will be lovers of themselves. Jesus says, woe to you when all people speak well of you. (laughs) How many people like pats on the back? No, come on. Let's be interactive here. I love it when people tell me I do a good job. 
please don't do that now after church because I know sometimes some of you take that real and be like, I got to tell pastor he does a good job because he wants to hear it. No. But we like to be told, hey, you did good, right? Yesterday, I've shared my woes of wrestling with you all. You knew. I talked about Nikolai maybe not having the killer instinct that he needed. I was wrong. He does. I watched it happen yesterday. And I was like, whoa, not my son. Um, but when he got off the mat after his third match, I looked at him and I said, and I cried in wrestling. You shouldn't do that. But I, I did though. I didn't let anybody see me, but I did. I, I, and I had this like moment where I was like, you, you, you did it. You did it. And I said, I'm so proud of you. And he was like, thanks, dad. And then he just kind of looked at me and I said, but I want you to know something. I said, I'm not proud of you because you won. I mean, I am proud because you won. But I said, I'm proud of you because you just did it. You, you did your best. You, you, you did your best. And he said, thanks, dad. And I said, even if you don't win another medal, and he's like, I know, dad, right? Like, I, 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 I'm just proud of you. And we get to a place like that where we become more concerned with impressing people than we do living for God. We get to a place where we're more willing. I loved it too because I, I said in the car, I made sure he knew again. I said, Nikolai, I'm so proud of you. You did such a good job. And this is, this is what killed me while I was driving. He, he goes, well, don't thank me. I was like, he's like, thank Father God because I prayed. And I was like, dang, okay. And I look at Lindsay and I was like, whose kid is that, right? <laughs> That's not my kid. But we do, we will get more concerned with making sure people approve of us. If you're spiritually indifferent, you will, you will make sure that people approve of you more than what God's approval is. I've had to check myself doing this where I, I've walked off the stage, I've looked at Lindsay and I said, how was that? Some of the people didn't look like it was good. And she said, are you doing it for them or are you doing it for him? And I was like, you're right, right? But we get to a place though where we're more concerned about what people think, not as concerned about what God thinks. The number two thing that, that shows us that we might be spiritually indifferent is we're obsessed with life on earth rather than life in eternity. We live in this state of what I have over what I'm called to do. Number three is we rationalize the sin in our lives and we live without truly fearing God. I feel like that's kind of where the society is right now. Like I can do what I want to do because I have forgiveness and, and I'm just not going to address the things that I know I need to address. I'm just going to live with it because God has grace for me. Right? And we like to make a spin on things, don't we? It's not selfishness. I just need me time. 
right? It's not porn, it's adult entertainment, right? It's not gossip. I'm just informing my, my brothers and sisters of their need. Just put a spin on it. We don't address us, right? I don't have anything wrong. I'm, 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 I'm just, I'm just, and we, we do that. Number four is we believe in Jesus, but we rarely share our faith. I'm going to take a drink of water before I finish that one. If you've been in church long enough, you know that a life without Jesus is a life in hell. Plain and simple, right? You know that a life without Jesus at the end of your life, that means you don't get to go to heaven. You get told, I didn't know you. And I feel like if we really understood and accepted the magnitude of what that life is without Jesus, we would tell everybody that we had a chance to tell because we don't want to see someone go to hell. Right? Is that, is that wrong? Because when I started going through this, I got to this point and I went, wait a minute. It doesn't matter if you've been in church a day. It doesn't matter if you've been in church for 35 years. It doesn't matter. What matters is, is what kind of, of price do you put on salvation? As somebody spiritually indifferent, we, you're, you're, you don't, you're not sharing it at all. It's funny because when people lose weight, they sure as heck share that, that diet plan that they were on. Somebody gets out of debt, let me teach a class on how to get out of debt. I've been there, I've done that, but I got Jesus and I don't want to share it with anybody. I love people, but they're probably going to hell. I don't know them. Why would I share him? I don't know them. He came from, for them just like he came for you. I just better move on to number five. Number five is when you're spiritually indifferent, you only turn to God when you need him. Rather than seeking him daily, you seek him when it benefits you. Only when the bad stuff's happening. Only when you got yourself in a jam and you can't get yourself out of it, you're like, God, please help me. I promise, if you help me, I will help you. If you help me get out of this, I'm going to make you a deal. I'm, I'm going to change my life for you. God, if you help me with this situation, 
that thing that I do in private that nobody knows I do, I'm going to stop doing that today. We, we, we make a deal with God. We use God like he's a tool in our toolbox. Pull our toolbox off the shelf and be like, you know what? I just need, where did I put God? There you are. Thank you. I need you for a second. Right? Like he's a screwdriver or a multi-tool, you know? How about this one? We're not too much different from the world when we're spiritually indifferent. What happens is we start to enjoy the same movies that the world does. Start to listen to the same music that the world does. We'll even begin to put on the same morals in our household that the world does. And soon enough, you're going to start raising your kids like the world does we're really not much different than the world when you're spiritually indifferent. Except you dedicate a Sunday to, to come here corporately and, and they don't. Indifference doesn't just break Jesus' heart. It, it makes him want to vomit. And the big way of that, that you can actually work this so you can reignite that spiritual fire. How many people know when a fire goes out, it's hard sometimes to get it relit, right? We, had a, we have a fire pit in the back of our house and, and one night we went to bed and I thought I put the fire out. I swear I thought I did. I poured a lot of water on it. And in the middle of the night, I woke up to go get a drink and I look outside and there's something glowing red in the back of my yard. And I was like, that's not okay. And you could literally go out and blow on the red coals and a flame started to pop back up. Anybody ever experienced that? Yeah, as a city kid, that blew my mind. I was like, whoa. I wasn't in the Boy Scouts, so I don't know. Like, I was like, this is amazing. But some of us need to allow God to breathe back across our coals to reignite our fire that's inside of us. Some of us have to get to a place where we say, I am tired of feeling numb spiritually. I'm tired of feeling indifferent spiritually. I'm tired of feeling this way. I'm tired of playing this game, right? Because... The knocking is only going to come so long. And then on judgment day, the knocking's not there anymore. God's only going to withhold his son for so long before he sends him back. That's not a ploy of like, hey, I'm, I'm going to force you to do that. No, it's reality. It's understanding that you can either go, hey, I'm just feeling a little meh feeling a little meh spiritually. I'm feeling a little meh about my relationship with God. I'm feeling a little meh. Or you can say, I'm tired of playing the game. 
instead of making it a song that we sing to close off worship, to make us feel good, to make it a reality of asking God, God, what, what breaks your heart? God, what, what do you want my heart to break for? We get so caught up in us, so caught up in the world. You're so caught up in the things around us that it, it, it snuffs out anything God wants to do because it's, it's inconvenient for us. But what if we started doing something every day that required faith? What if you started to write down at the end of your day, what did I do today that I had to do in faith? Because I'm sure if some of us were to write that down of what we did yesterday, including myself here, we probably would have a pretty empty list of what we did yesterday that required faith. All I did was go, God, please don't let my kid get hurt. I don't care if he wins or loses, just don't let him get hurt. But I knew God's gonna take care of him because I dedicated him back to God. He's not mine. So that didn't take much faith for me. But what else did I do? I didn't even pray when I went and had a meal after that wrestling match. <laughs> what if we started saying, you know what? I'm gonna stand up for something even though I'm gonna get mocked. I'm gonna stand up for something even though I'm gonna lose friends. What if we started getting to a place where we said, you know what? I'm going to allow myself to be stretched for what God wants to do and not what my schedule wants to do. I had somebody actually last week tell me, hey, I, just so you know, I was inconvenienced today. And I was like, awesome. And they're like, it was awesome, right? How about this? What if you apologize to somebody for something you said that you feel like, I don't care how it makes them feel, I'm gonna say it anyways. What if you apologized for that today? Left church, called them and said, I'm sorry if I've ever made you feel blank. What if you decided, I'm gonna forgive somebody who hurt me who's never gonna say sorry? What if you did that? That takes faith, doesn't it? Goodness gracious, it takes faith in church when somebody looks at you the wrong way to say sorry. Or just to say, I forgive you. I know, I know they hurt you. And I'm not, I'm not discrediting that. But what if you just said to unlock what God wanted to do in your life? What if you said, I know they're never gonna say sorry. And I know that it's gonna be a process to get me through what I'm feeling right now, but I forgive them. We were set free with forgiveness. So why? Why should we not forgive people? Right? How about this? Since small groups is our life, really. I mean, here at this church, what we do here at the church, I mean, small groups is our, our, our bloodline for our church. What if a small group this week you decided unless you're the one that always talks in your small group, then don't decide because that's not different. 
But what if this week in small group, you decided as someone who just sits back on, on the outside and just lets everybody else do the talking? What if you, because you notice how like when I step back here, I'm a little darker. What if you just decided to step up into the light a little bit at small group this week and go, you know what? I'm going to lead the corporate prayer. Well, pastor, I, I don't want to, I don't want to pray in front of people. What if God's saying your voice could make the difference in someone else's life? So speak. What if this week you made yourself available and said, I know that my schedule is busy, but I'm going to make my availability to, to you, God. I'm going to go to a small group this week. Last thing I ever want to do is be like, God, hold on a second. Last thing I ever want to do is, God, my schedule doesn't allow me to go to small group. God, my, my schedule doesn't allow me to be available to you. What? It's God. Whew. How about this one? This, this, this is a nice, easy, final one. What if you could pray for something that's impossible for you to change and it has to be God that changes it? What if you decided this week, God, I want to pray for something that I know I'll never be able to change myself, but I know that through you, it's the only way it's gonna change. Little things like that, that can reignite that fire, that can allow God to breathe back across those coals that are still hot enough to get you to step out of spiritual indifference and start stepping into what he's got for you. To get you to step out of spiritual indifference and start saying, this is what I planned for you. Walk on the path that I set in front of you, please. I don't wanna be spiritual indifferent. But I can tell you that out of those six things, there are some things that I've got going on in my life that I have to address. Verse 20. Verse 20 is for us. Knock. I'm knocking. Knocking. Please open. I'm knocking. Please recognize I'm there. I'm knocking. Please let me in so I can sit with you. Verse 20 is not for the unsaved. Verse 20 is for each and every one of us who sits in this church right now and who sits in other churches across this city and this state. He's knocking. Will we answer? Today, as I close in prayer, the prayer team will make themselves available in the altar for you. But let this get inside your heart this week. To check yourself on if you're spiritual and different. To undo and allow Jesus to undo some things that don't belong. If you'll pray with me, God, I thank you for today. God, I thank you. I thank you that verse 20 is for us.
thank you that your son is knocking on our door, just asking for us to be available. Knocking on our door saying, I just want you to open up for me. But God, I don't want to be spiritually indifferent. I don't want to just pull you out of my toolbox when I need you. I don't want to be so full of the world and so full of my schedule and so full of my abilities that God, I, I can't, I, I just feel spiritually numb. And I certainly don't want your son to feel like it was a gift that I didn't want. I certainly don't want Jesus to feel like I gave up my life for Nick and, and he doesn't want me. So God, I pray that, that if that's us today, that you speak clearly today. You've already sent your son to pay the price. You sent him to pay the price for not only our sins, but to give us access to you. To give us the ability to tap into you. God, and through Jesus, through Jesus, he tells you today that we, we're his. And that because of that, Father, you'll hear us. Because of that, you'll hear us today. So God, I pray for your people. I pray, God, that you just breathe on those coals. God, reignite a flame inside of us that burns not just when we're here or not just when we're with our church people, but God, God, when we're walking through our lives that it burns so, so hot inside of us, God, that we, we've got to share it with other people. God, Jesus shouldn't be the best kept secret that we have. God, break our hearts for what breaks yours. Put your heart on the forefront of our minds. God, let us lay it down to you today. Let us surrender to ourselves today to you. Let us surrender the things that the world has just, just made us full of. God, let us surrender that to you today, God. God, it truly is less of me and more of you today. God, I thank you. Amen.